he, when we got married, he said, here's how much money we have left. So uh, you need to go ahead and get those four years taken care of in three and a half. <laughs> oh, oh my <laughs> so goodness. So that's you basically how we did it. Yeah, wow. that last semester of my college, I took 21 hours and <gasps> it was pretty Ooh, crazy. Sorry. I yeah. didn't mean to yell in the mic. And today, my guest is Dr. Teresa Blakeney. Hello, how are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Well, Dr. Teresa Blakeney, you are a professor at Southwestern Assemblies of God University. I am. I've been uh, full-time for about four years now, and I'm just loving it. Wow. Well, and then the the title that you worked hard for, the, the amount of knowledge that you have that is very important to have the biblical knowledge is doctor you that was recent was that actually in may yes may 2019 this this may yes and you were the first first person at sagu to earn a doctorate from their program the doctoral program at sagu has uh been going now for about five years and i'm actually the first one to graduate i have some people in my cohort however who are in the pipeline and will be graduating soon so hopefully uh, there'll be more very yes. soon. <laughs> that's really exciting. Well, that's exciting because it's a it's a newer program for Sagu. Yes. And then you you just went for it and you did it. You're the first, and you're a female. I think that's really neat too. Well, uh, you know, it's so funny because I never really thought about that. And in my cohort, there actually were are other females yeah. uh, that oh, are going to be awesome. getting the doctorate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's pretty awesome that. Uh, it, just turns out that the first graduate would be a female. Yeah. Now it's a doctorate of ministry. It's a demon. It's a demon in uh, leadership and creative communication. That's the name of the doctorate. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? What that? Well, means? the emphasis is on leadership. Uh, we we have quite a few of our classes that you know that was the thrust of them, but also in how to communicate to this generation. So there are a lot of classes were on that as well. That's really neat. So when you say this generation, are we talking, what are we talking about? Talking about communicating in a way that the people of our culture today understand it. Okay. Okay. So where this culture is is right now, how to understand. I didn't know if you meant specifically like a Gen Z or specifically a millennial, but just kind of all of it. Kind of all of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, that had to have been very interesting. It was. It was. It was very uh, enriching, and I'm very, I'm very uh, humbled Mm -hmm. to have been able to to get to this point, Mm -hmm. especially starting a little later in life, like I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it's been it's been a wonderful ride. You know, what's interesting is I've learned. It looks like a lot of uh, people have earned doctoral doctoral work. there's a there's I always had an assumption that Dr. So and so has always ever been Dr. So and so and it happened maybe in their twenties or something. Yeah. But I think I'm learning more and more that's just not how that works. It typically is they they've maybe done undergraduate, then masters and then raised a family or traveled or whatever or 
done career work and then come back later to do it. So yes. I just think just go with it. Just let people assume you've had it <laughs> forever. Well, it, it's so interesting because uh, I always say in my first life, because honestly, I was a stay-at-home mom. I, I graduated from college mm-hmm. with a degree. But when we married, I decided that once we had children, my priority was going to be my children. Mm -hmm. So literally, I stayed home and uh, kept house and and was a homemaker until my daughter went to college. Wow. And the year she went off to college, I went back to college. So when she was a freshman, I started my master's degree, my first master's degree. That's so great. So we went to college together, which was pretty amazing. (laughs) Yes. So what was your undergrad work in? Believe it or not, psychology. (gasps) Me too. Oh, you're kidding. No, kidding. Okay, so this is so funny. I didn't realize that. So my undergrad works in psychology, and I also said when when we have children, I'm going to stay home. Wow. So yeah, I did for a number. Now I did for now. I've, my kids aren't grown, and then I went back. It happened a little differently for me. But no, I stayed home, and that was what I did. And I even homeschooled for four years. Wow. And um, and then I was able to do some work from home. But then it was about in 2000 and early 2017, I went back to grad school. So yeah, but I well, it's so fun. I had no idea oh that we goodness. were kind of you know on the same track. There. Yes, That's awesome. yes, so great. So what? Well, how about your graduate work? Okay, so uh, went back to Sagu. Okay. Uh, all of my post graduate post uh, undergrad work has been at Sagu. Okay, that's so, good for me to know. Yeah, and it was all DE, every bit of it. I got my first master's in Bible. And theology. Me yeah. too. Come on. I think what? we're on the are same track here. I, th- yeah. I think we are. So then I uh, was going to just stop there and then decided, no, let's go ahead and get the MDiv. Mm-hmm. So you're, is that what you're working on? Time. Yes. Okay. I have a year, uh, two, three semesters left. So mm-hmm, you know what's in your future, right? That demon. You know you're going to do it. <laughs> the demons, the grandkids. <laughs> That's right. There you go. You'll just get it done so much earlier than I did, oh. which is going to be such a blessing for you. So I struggle with this. I remember you you telling me it actually, see, I think you told me this, it, it seemed like it was actually harder for you having grand grandkids, grown kids and grandkids working on your doctorate. Because I do think, because the MDiv is a long track yes I it mean, is it's a lot it's 70 70 something 72, 72 hours two yeah. hours that's yeah. a long time uh and then i actually was encouraged i think by your husband who's dr rob blakeney that and and i probably a few other professors it's good to have a that stopping point because the yes. master of bible theology at sagu feeds right into an mdiv it does but if you can somehow at least say i stopped somewhere and accomplished something yes ex- it's extremely easier. important yes. yes for your own sanity sake yes. <laughs> yeah so that's what i did and it's it's helping it's helping and it's fun to learn but no i do wonder um because uh, you know often one thing that i deal with is my children saying mom do you have to do schoolwork again tonight yes do you have to be gone again um, actually, one of the reasons I transferred to SAGU, I started my degree work somewhere else, is because SAGU has the 15, 16 week semesters. Okay. Where you have a lot of graduate courses that are, uh, I'm sorry, their terms are nine, eight, nine weeks. Yeah. It just was n- absolutely not sustainable. I did it for a year, mm-hmm. but for me as a mom with, with kids, um, it wasn't sustainable in the long run. I yes. need to be able to stretch out my work. So that MDiv is hard and yet I there are evenings where I can just spend time with my children so you I see, love it 
you are learning a lesson that I didn't learn as early as I should have. And that is anytime you're going to do any sort of schooling, you have to set aside a certain time of the day. If -hmm. you don't do that, you always feel guilty. You always feel like I should be reading. I should be writing. But if you do, like you said, if you say, okay, in my case, what I did, I got up at four. Mm-hmm. I would eat my breakfast, read my Bible, and then from five to six, that was my time. And that's the only time in the day that I would either read or write or work on my dissertation or whatever. Then when I was done with that, I was free. And mm-hmm. it was wonderful. I didn't have to deal with this, oh, I come home from work and I'm tired and I'm thinking I need to go upstairs and write. No, I've already done it. It's done. Yes. So if you're learning that now, that's a huge lesson, and it's yeah. wonderful. It frees you. Mm-hmm. It Thanks really for does. affirming that. Well, I, at the beginning of my journey, this is, hey, listeners, this is going to be good for you, I think, um, to, to understand that there's different ways to learn and some strategies that you have. There were times where I realized that my, now I'd always typically been a night owl. I think a lot of college students are, your undergrad students. Like, you get to stay up and yes. be up all hours and then, some of that is because you can do it, and some of that is because you've put yourself in a position where you must you now. You procrastinated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But I would, um, I did a couple things in my first year. Sometimes I'd stay up late to do things because I, I had no choice. My kids yes. were sick or whatever, you know, was happening. We had school programs and things. But then there were times where I would wake up at four, get dressed, go to Starbucks and work there because it's before it got real busy because uh, no other place was really open at that time. It was hard for me to work in my house with, with kids. You yes. know, they, it would wake them up, so I had to leave. But the things I composed in that early morning hour yes. or two before the sun rose, rose were so much better uh-huh. than my work later at night. Absolutely. So, and, you know, some people really are night people. My, my son, mm-hmm. for instance, he just gets going good about 1030. Mm-hmm. And that's fine for him. But for me, it doesn't work because I'm not a night person. So I'm not saying everybody has to do the four o'clock thing, but for me, it really worked best. And maybe don't, like if you're going to wake up and be groggy and trip over yourself. Exactly. (laughs) Don't get up at four. You don't want to cause any accidents. Four, okay, when I hear people, for some reason, when I hear people talking about waking up at 4 a.m., I just think you're a healthy person. (laughs) And this is going to sound a little off track, but are you a runner? I am not a runner. I had knee surgery many years ago, so my doctor said, don't run, but walk. Okay, you're a walker. So I'm a walker. Um, I will confess I have not been as faithful this semester as I should, but my goal is to walk at least three miles every day. Wow. So even during all of this doctoral work and all of that, I still tried to keep that up because, A, it's good for my mental health, yeah. And and just physically I feel better. Mm-hmm. I just feel better. I'm not a fanatic about it, but I just I've compared the way I feel when I don't do it and when I do it and it's just so much better. Okay. Yeah, it is it does help to clear your mind. I haven't been able to do that as much. There was a season where I needed to sit and and rest my body for a little uh-huh. bit uh-huh. from an injury. Right. Um but it is it is so important. There would there would be times where I would also listen to lectures. I would be able to listen to lectures in my earbuds or whatever. And but then I realized, well, I can't really take notes when I'm walking. Yes, but yes. Sometimes I just re-listen to them then. But just to be out in the air, the yes. fresh air and to to pray or think or just listen to it without any other distractions from the inside. Those were helpful to me. Yes, me so. too. Well, my husband and I 
uh, we don't have a lot of different hobbies or anything, but we do love walking together. And that's our time when we talk. Oh, great. So what we try to do, if we can, is to schedule our three-mile walk together. So it, you know, it kind of kills two birds with one stone. We're mm-hmm. getting our best walk and our best talk in at the same time. Wow. Hey, Brian Brooks, are you listening? <laughs> well, you know what our struggle has been up until this, but now we have some teens now, like younger, younger yes. teens is we can't leave the house to walk. Exactly, and <laughs> totally understand that. Yes, yes. Well, have you always done it, though? Did you find a way to do it when your kids were Believe little? it or not, we have always done it. Because even when we were in college, undergrad, we had no money. So we figured, hey, we can we can walk without spending any money. So we started doing it even then. Oh, great. And then during the times that our kids, of course, you know, there's a time when somebody has to stay at the house and watch the baby sleep while the mm-hmm. other one walks. But then as they get past that stage, we start kept on walking. Wow. And that stage, I think, happens faster than it feels like it's happening it when you're living in the moment. They say the what the years are, sh- the days are long, but the years are short. It's or, so true. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. You want to talk about your your family a little bit? So did you and, and Rob, you went to under, you went to college together? Well, or? we we went for um, three and a half years of it was together. He was actually a semester ahead of me when we got married. Okay. So basically what happened, we were on the GI Bill. Mm-hmm. because he's former military yeah. oh, that's so right. he when we got married he said here's how much money we have left so uh you need to go ahead and get those four years taken care of in three and a half <laughs> <laughs> oh, my so goodness. that's so you basically have... how we did it yeah wow. that last semester of my college I took 21 hours and <gasps> it was pretty Ooh. crazy Sorry. yeah I didn't mean to yell in the mic but oh. I didn't really have a choice <laughs> because the money was running out so Anyway, wow. that's how we started mm-hmm. and graduated together. I'm like having a little panic attack. No, not really. But, <laughs> you know, some people, they think that 18 or 20s, you know, a lot. You're 21. Wow. And wow. of you did all, it. the most crazy thing about it, I never made straight A's my entire college career until that year. That's interesting. And so it was like, I guess that's all I did. I just totally <laughs> focused on school and nothing else. Yes. You're like, we're going to meet the goal. My husband said so. That's right. Well, it's, you know, it's really interesting what you can accomplish when the pressure's on. Exactly. And I think we sometimes limit ourselves, or, or maybe not we're even intentionally limiting ourselves, but when the pressure's on, we can do so much more than we ever thought we it's could. So true. And that makes sense. Yeah. I remember That's going true. to college, um, having, having spent my entire high school career doing sports, and I thought, well, when I get to college, I want to spend time on academics. But what happened was, and so I didn't do athletics. And what happened to me was I had all this free time that I did not do any academics with. You know, <laughs> yes. this. so there's something to having that pressure on you yeah. to make you excel at what you do. So now was he in the military before you got married and had he, had he already finished? He had finished. Um, he, I didn't know him during the time when he was in the military. I didn't meet him until he had gotten out. Okay. Yeah. So okay. that was, a, well, he was not saved in the military. Okay. So he had a, a saving experience with Christ when he got back out. And, oh. and that's when we met after that. Okay. And then how about you? Did you, did you grow up knowing Jesus or was yours a later? My family, uh, background my grandparents were assemblies of god and my mom and dad went to assembly of god church uh, but my dad wasn't really saved and so they got married and then once they got married he quit going to church so uh, i was raised in a very interesting situation where my mom knew 
that she was supposed to be, but she didn't go to church. Mm. So it was my grandparents, actually, that had more influence on me to, wow. to follow Christ. And actually, uh, I began serving Christ by myself. I was the only member of my family. My three brothers didn't. They followed my dad. And then my mom, uh, finally, my senior year of high school, my mom decided to go back to church. And so she and I went together oh, my sweet. senior year of high school. Yeah. So it's an interesting, interesting life. Yes. I hear a lot of stories where the, the grandparents' influence has meant so much. Yes. I'm going to remember that, too, as, as a grandparent. For, like, my kids' grandparents, anytime I feel like a failure as a parent, I'm going to say, you know what? I hear a powerful thing about grandparents. Can you guys step in? It's true. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah, so it is a And right a now, thing. having grandchildren, I'm remembering that, and I'm thinking, it's time. It's time for me to pour into their lives. Wow. You're in a powerful, influential position for Absolutely. so much good. Absolutely. What a blessing. Yeah. So I have um, a couple of, well, let's see, one, two, three of my brothers are grandparents right now. Um, and one of them, I'm sure they'd all say it, but one of them specifically has told me, you know how they say that being a grandparent's the better than having your like own yes. children? And I said, yeah, I've heard that. He said, it is so true. <laughs> he loves it. Just, yes. It's just beautiful. And it's not even like the sense of relief, ha, ha, ha. It is like with tears. It is the most beautiful it thing. It really is. It, and I love hearing that. Yeah, so yes. talk about it. Well, watching, you know, A, watching your children grow up to serve God mm-hmm. is very rewarding. And then to watch them turn and teach their own, uh, that's, the, that's the rewarding part. To see the heritage, the legacy being passed on to the next generation, yeah, it's that's the best thing in the world. And uh, you know, as as we age, our our priorities change, and what used to be so important in our life becomes way less important, material things wise. Mm-hmm. And now our focus becomes the next generation, making wow. sure that they all know Christ, mm-hmm. because that's the only thing that matters. So uh, our prayer focus changes, uh, our, our focus for our children and their families and our grandchildren become the main thing. Mm-hmm. And we, we you know, put aside the things that are temporal wow. and just stop praying for those as much, mm-hmm. you know. It's almost like the clutter is gone. Yes. That, that was kind of getting in the way, the exactly. clutter and the noise. Okay, so let's talk about, can we talk about your doctoral work a little bit? I'd sure. love to hear sure. what your dissertation was on okay well I uh, I was interested in biblical literacy you know our our national department has been talking lately a lot about biblical literacy so I, I thought you know um, that's an important subject so I I did my research at Sagu I actually uh, looked at the freshmen coming in and I gave them a survey which measured their Bible knowledge and then I uh, gave them another survey which looked at their worldview to see how Christian or non-Christian mm-hmm. it was. And so, uh, so it was a mixed methods project that I did. And uh, interestingly, I found that the freshmen coming into Sagu are not very knowledgeable of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the most common grade on the, the Bible test was 32. Ooh, like a percent? Percent. Like percent. Yeah. And so uh, the average grade was 50. Wow. So that's still failing. Mm-hmm. But the, the most common grade, the, the most 
the grade that was occurred the most mm -hmm. was 32. Mm -hmm. So that means there was some really high scoring kids that brought the average to 50, you know. Yeah. But uh, it was kind of, um, kind of shocking. But here's another thing that was interesting. The worldview survey that I gave them indicated that over half, about 55% of the students had a less than biblical worldview. Uh, in other words, they didn't believe all the basic tenets of Christianity, uh, which everybody would assume you would believe mm -hmm. if you were a Christian. So like regardless of denomination, regardless some of, the of denomination, we all agree on. Yes. Wow. So uh, once I did the the correlation the, between the two, it was a very very strong correlation. The the more Bible you knew, mm -hmm. the more Christian your worldview was. So that was the that was the uh, results of the survey of of the uh, project. That's fascinating. So. Um, what were what did how did you form the questions? For well, how about for your biblical knowledge? How did you I them? actually researched and found a test that someone else had already built because it needed to be reliable and valid, mm -hmm. and that had already been done on okay. that test, so I didn't have to do that uh, up front. So. I researched and found a good Bible knowledge test, and so it was someone else's questions okay. that they had formed. Smart, resourceful. Well, <laughs> and, and just a time element. You know, mm -hmm. if I had had to do the other, it would have taken probably another year yeah. to finish the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the Bible uh, worldview. The worldview. World world uh, this woman had done it as her dissertation, and she built it, and then another woman took it and tested it and found some problems with it, took those problems out. So I used the one that was corrected oh, from these two women's work. And um, so that's how I came up with them. Okay. And you know, and every test has its weaknesses. I'm not sure, sure this was perfect in every way, but it was reliable and valid. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was looking for. I love, I love this so much because um, I think in conversation, I don't know if you remember, but I remember talking to you about this in the hallway one time at Sagi when I ran into you. And my background is psychology, but I worked extensively with empirical research and running studies at the undergraduate level and then presenting them. And I was in the lab all the time running data. Yes. And the reliability and validity is so key to the tests that you, you give because we can give surveys and they're really not measuring what you think they're measuring. Exactly or you're, there's something wrong with the sample size that you've picked. And so the other thing I love is, so I love that anyway, because that's a little bit of my background. So I'm just like eating this up, like, tell me more. I love yes, this so yes. much. I love that people put in the work to do these things that are important to find out. But the other thing you said is, um, oh, now it just escaped my mind. Oh, I remember, that's how fast that happened, is that one woman built, a t or someone built a test, and then someone came back in and tested the test. Yes. And I love that sometimes I think there's a, a mentality in, I know I've struggled with it, and then maybe, I don't know if it's an age thing or personality thing, but that if I'm not discovering something brand new, I don't want to do it. But there is something really important about we don't have to reinvent the, the wheel. Exactly. Why don't we take what's already been created, test it, and make some revisions, test it, and then we can make it usable. Absolutely. And then you went, so one person created it one person went and tested it and made it a, a, a valid and a reliable measure and then you went and used it for your own study yes ah, 
Yay. See, it's teamwork. It is. It really is. And see, that that wasn't something I knew when I started this program. I had to learn that myself because I thought going in, okay, I'm going to have to write this Bible knowledge test from mm-hmm. from scratch. Oh, was you know, that can overwhelming? You yeah. Oh. <gasps> and and my uh, advisor, Dr. Gilbert, who by the way is a brilliant man. And he's uh, so nice, too. And so nice and yeah. kind. I see him at Starbucks sometimes. I cannot give enough kudos to that yeah. man. Uh, but he was the one like, no, no, you don't have to do that. Why reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. if it's already been invented? Yeah. So, okay, so <clears throat> I, I just think this is interesting. So was it only um, the freshmen that you measured, or did you go back when they graduated? Was it a... You know, I have a lot of people ask me, you know, why didn't you do this, 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 and this? There's so many ways you can go with this. Sure. But what what we learn once you get into a, a project is you have to be very focused in what you're measuring. Mm-hmm. Now, you can take that data then, and you can go a step further later. Yes. But yeah. to finish what you start and then go on... And that's what Dr. Gilbert would teach us. Now look, be focused, know mm-hmm. what you're measuring, and the more specific you are, the better, because then True. you know if you have accomplished what you've set out to do. So there's so many different things that can come off of, spin off of this study, mm-hmm. you know, even with the data that I still have. Because when I gave the tests, I gave them to classes that had freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors, but mostly freshmen. Okay. But I only used the tests that the first time freshmen took. Okay. See? So mm-hmm. I have these other that data. someone can take that later. Someone can take. You're giving me ideas. Mm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> someone my goodness. could take later and compare even. Right. You know? Now I don't have as many mm-hmm. seniors, sophomores, but I my, my point was to try to get as many freshmen as I right, could. Right, So, anyway. That is so, you, you can do so many things with it. Like, you can measure yeah. when they first come in, and then again when they first leave. Or you yes. can measure first year, second year, third year, fourth year. You can go by geographic location. You can go, oh, there's so many things. Uh, I think research is so fun. It is. I think it's so it's fun. It's fascinating. Yeah, and really, really so many people, and this is how it's done, so many people can take what you did and then play off that and keep going. There's never a boring moment no. in discovery and in research, ever. No, and if oh. somebody did exactly what I did, that would be wonderful mm-hmm. because it, it would either, you know, it would support it or it would say, oh, okay, now that was a little bit off. And that would be fine too because yes. we're looking for truth. Mm-hmm. We're not looking, you know, to prove that we were right. Right. Yeah, that's the thing too is you're, you're not, we're not trying to get the answers we want to hear. We're exactly. trying to get the objective answer. Exactly. Yeah. So with that so i know you went and then you got the information what was your for future do you, in a dissertation is there a um for future study portion of that there is and at the end of my uh, dissertation i gave some different things that we possibly could look at and what you mentioned was mm-hmm. some of them you know mm-hmm. that we could follow this group all the way through to see if they grew from you know a 32 to maybe an 85 at the end Mm -hmm. you know we could do that there's so many and and those are some of the things I mentioned okay that we could do and we could also take this test and make it an entry test at SAGU now we Mm -hmm. have a test that the students take but I don't know that we follow it you know all the way through like track it yeah I don't know okay so that was a possibility wow well who's that test get do you know what department gives that 
pass? It, it is given in S3. Okay. So okay. Uh, not sure who, you know, is in control of that. But yeah. Anyhow. So interesting. Yeah. Yay. So how about the significance of your finding? I know that you said there, the amount of biblical is, is correlated with... I did the Pearson product moment mm-hmm. computation, and it was a 0.77, which is wow, is very significant. Mm-hmm. The correlation between Bible knowledge mm-hmm. and worldview, and so it, what you would take from that is biblical knowledge. When we are raising a generation to to be Christ followers, it is important that they actually know the Bible. Yes, they're not just coming to church week in and week out or they're not just being told some value systems and that's it. It's actually knowing the word of God. Absolutely. So important. Absolutely. And that's, uh, of course, in my mind, why I do what I do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what I'm giving my life to right now is, mm-hmm. is that thought that the Bible really does make a difference yes. in our life. Yes. I heard someone just this morning um, say, so many of us want these prophetic words but what we forget is that the Bible is a source too. And it's not to negate. Now, this person works in signs and wonders and prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, like all of it. He sees it all. But what he was saying is sometimes we can forget that if we actually open the Bible, there's our word right there. Exactly. It is so powerful. And it, I love talking to professors at Bible colleges because you w- you're not there the reason you're there is because you care about the students. You're not there for fame or fortune is what I was about to say. You're not there for fame or fortune. Right. You're there because you care deeply about the word of God. Right. So much so that you'd go to school for years and years and years and study it and even study the people who are in turn studying it. Yes. That's how much you care. Yeah. And I don't know, to me as, as someone who wants you know, to do what you do, uh-huh. you know, to get the opportunity to do that. And then is watching even our Oak School leadership students who are at SAGU um, go through that program. And then it's someone whose children, you know, I want them to, to know the word of God. That to me is a huge blessing. Yes. So what an honor. Like, I, I feel like what a privilege that you even get to. I'm sure I know you feel the same way. Absolutely. That you get to do it, that. I wake up every day and just go, how can I be so blessed? You know, t- to look forward to going to work mm-hmm. and loving every minute of what I teach. You yeah. know, I, I joke about, you know, if I was a math teacher, I'd probably just shoot myself in the head. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, no, I wouldn't no look math. forward to it. Now, yeah. my husband, on the other hand, he loves math. Oh, well, he, he you know, uh, physics, right? Did well, he he's a chemistry guy chemistry. he he got his undergrad in chemistry yeah, lots and, of math. and physics so you lots cannot of not get the math wrong in chemistry you will it's hurt a person absolutely and he did that in the was that kind of his field in the military we love to talk about that uh that no like that? his military he had a very odd job he he was involved with with weapons other things stuff. okay yeah. <laughs> i mean you you really need to have some precision with weapons as yes. well <laughs> especially the kind that they he was dealing with I'm sure yeah okay so yes um I, I loved chemistry and physics, but I didn't pursue it. In fact, a girl that I went to school with, and we were physics partners uh-huh. and chemistry partners, um, she went on, she's literally an astrophysicist right now. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. Yeah. Wow. 
and she actually is and then she teaches it and does the crazy stuff and i i don't know if i should be proud or ashamed that i was her lap (laughs) no you shouldn't be ashamed god gifts some of us that way he didn't gift me that way right thank god he gifted some of us that way yes hey i I can appreciate her that's what i can for sure yeah well your husband dr blakeney the dr rob blakeney bragged about you a couple weeks ago and you weren't even in earshot you didn't even know oh my goodness so let me tell you about it so he was talking to one of our students who's about to graduate and asking her if she had uh was looking into grad program um but had also asked if she had had you at all or knew who you were now she did not have you as a professor but he was talking about what a great professor you are and then the bible uh the you're teaching a bible class that kind of go through goes through the whole Bible? What's that called? It's called Introduction to Biblical Literature, and it does. It covers the whole Bible in one semester. Yeah, he said that you tell them the whole, the story. Yeah. From beginning to end. And he was so, anyway, the way he told it, honestly, Teresa, I said, I want to take this class with her, (laughs) because it sounds like, not story time in a condescending way, but in a, yes, please make the Bible sound like something I can understand and want to hear. So tell me about it. Well, you know, it's a challenge when you tell somebody you're going to cover the whole Bible in mm-hmm. one uh, one semester, not even one year, one semester. Yeah. But basically what this class does is it just connects the dots from Genesis to Revelation. And mm-hmm. it shows that the Bible truly is just one story. Yeah, it's got a bunch of little stories in it, but it's all one big story of how God, you know, created us and redeemed us. And, and that's, that's what the class covers. And it's, it's interesting. And I have students every semester say, Miss Blakeney, I never knew that the Bible was all connected. I never saw it that oh, way. Wow. I never wow. understood it that way at all. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Good. And I do make them read a lot of the Bible. Good. I, I mean, have, that makes so much sense. I have <laughs> 78 days worth of three-chapter readings that they have to do. That's mm-hmm. a part of the class. Mm-hmm. And so I just figured it would be such a crime to yeah. teach this course without having people actually read the Bible, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. I'd be the student who's like, I'm paying money for this course. You better give me stuff to read. <laughs> everyone, I wish everybody everyone felt that. the way you do. <laughs> oh, I was not that undergraduate student. That is for sure. But I just that very hungry for biblical yes. like hindsight, realizing how much I did not know. And that's my own fault. I mean, I, um, I think it was Dr. Bartell um, years ago. I remember sitting in a, like a seminar with him uh-huh. and he was talking about people who are in church and they want to know more about the Bible and they get upset because the pastor can't cover it in, you know, 30 minutes and they're just distraught by the leaders around them. And he said, at some point, you've got to pick up your own spoon. And he actually like yelled it. He's like, pick up your own spoon or something like that. And, <laughs> or maybe that's how I interpret it because that's very convicted. <laughs> but a lot of people don't know how to do that. And it's that's true. It's easy to pick up the Bible and read. It's not easy to deal with the spiritual attack can come that can come at you when you pick up the Bible to read. And that's such a real thing. I, I, I mean, I've heard it from so many people. Sometimes there's an actual spiritual attack. Exactly. Because the enemy knows the power of it. Yeah. So he's going to he's gonna give us every excuse in the world to mm-hmm. not read our Bible. Uh, I went through years of my life where I wasn't faithful at my daily Bible reading. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened, but one day... I just began to see it as my food. 
And I literally was starving myself to death mm. by not feeding my spirit. And I don't know, I just, I made a decision. The enemy is not going to control that anymore. Wow. I am going to say, no, this, this slot of time, which for me, it turns out it's about six to seven. Mm-hmm. That's God's time. 6 a.m. Yeah. Congratulations for staying awake during that, by the way. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, haven't al- up. <laughs> I haven't always been a morning person, but, you right. know, now I, I'm learning to be. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that time that you spend with God, it's your food. It is. It is your food. If you don't, if you don't do it, you're going to be weak. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I view it. So I've had students tell me, though, the same thing. They're like, oh, when I first started doing this Bible reading thing, it was wearing me out. But now I'm actually starting to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that is when you know that you've made a difference. Because once you get people wanting to read it, they're going to they're gonna keep on doing it. You yeah. know, and that's, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Introduce them to him. Get them used to it. Try to form a habit. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I try to teach. Yeah, it seems like with a lot of things, you have to do the behavior first. And then yes. the mindset will follow. It's true. And this is one of those. It's true. Um, what Do you have some... So I think that that's something that you're naturally doing within the context of the classroom. You're having the students read. That's a sign assignment. They've got to do it. Mm-hmm. But do you have advice for, for people who are struggling to read or maybe even needing some Bible study resources that they can trust? For sure. That are not fluff. Look for a translation that you can understand. I have had students who've come to me and said, Miss Blakeney, reading the King James is like watching wallpaper dry. You know, it's it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, don't read the King mm-hmm. James then. That's not the blessed version. Right. Find a translation that you can understand and that, you know, you can relate to. You're never going to read something that you don't understand. Ooh, You're not so going to do it. So yeah. find that first. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, my goodness, there are so many things, resources that you can use to help you understand. Find a study Bible, for one thing, that has a running commentary down in the bottom. I have a study Bible that I use. Mm-hmm. So if there's something that I'm reading I don't understand, I look down there to see what this other person may think it is. You know, have yourself a resource right there. And then, of course... There's all kinds of online resources as well. Sure. So. Yeah. That's good. I think this study, the study Bible is a good one. It's yes. always like, and then, you know what? Here's something I was never taught to do. Not that I recall. I might've actually been taught, but learning, I don't know if you teach this or if there's a class that teaches this, but teaching people how to actually understand what the little italicized a means next to a ver- next to a verse uh-huh. and what the one and the two and if you and sometimes you go over to the side of the margin and there's notes but then sometimes you look at the bottom and there's notes. yes yes absolutely i think learning how to read that maybe it's at the front of the bible somewhere but most people are just looking for the book right that was me right exactly and, and, and most of us are talk through that and or? i i have not that would probably be a great thing to cover in bible study which is another class that I teach mm-hmm. but here's the thing uh accordance I don't know if you know the accordance mm-hmm. bible software, the software yes it is uh one of the most powerful softwares out there and I'm not an, a salesman for them mm-hmm. at all but I'm just the power of all those little things you're talking about it has an explanation and if you click on it it's going to show you something you know if you know if you know that you're going to be in ministry 
Mm-hmm. Accordance would be an investment I would ask any Bible student to, to make because it's powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got all the versions available, all the translations available, but then you've got all these resources that you can, you know, just click on. You don't have to have 50 books around you. You've got them mm-hmm. all right there. It's right there on your computer. Right there on your do computer. Do they have an app, do you know? They do. Okay. Uh, it's called Accordance Light, and it's a free download. Oh, neat. So, uh it, it's not as powerful, of course, as the one that you would pay yeah, for. Right. But yeah, you can buy that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my students use that. That's good. Well, the thing I think, I know people kind of cringe at really have to pay all this money for it, but someone had to do the background research and work to do. So just pay for it. It's true. Because, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to cheapen. If someone, someone has to be resourced to do the, to do the work so it's that you true. can have that, that resource. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's a priority. We spend a lot of money on a lot of things, mm-hmm. so you just have to prioritize it. Yes. Yeah, just like the things that, that you want to do, you'll do. You yeah, know? The it's things true. that you want, you'll, you'll work for. That's good. Um, I, have, I have a story about, personally, in my own walk with reading the Word, because I was also not consistent years ago in my reading of the Word, and... I think I also grew very frustrated and trying to understand and not feeling like I had anyone around me. It was just a lonely season of my life, even mm-hmm. physically detached from from people and mm-hmm. mentorship and things. And some one day, just haphazardly, I opened the Bible and I'm like, I should probably read the Bible today. At the time, my youngest was, uh, oh, it was my first baby. And so she was a baby, but I was also pregnant with my second. So I had an infant. Um, who I, I had a nursing infant and then I was pregnant, right? And so when I opened the Bible very carelessly, I, there's a, a verse where Jesus is talking about the last days. <laughs> and the verse, no kidding, the verse, the one verse I saw said, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant and nursing. Oh women. no. <laughs> and I was filled with terror. <laughs> I actually slammed the Bible shut and threw it across my counter and refused to open it for a long time. And here I am a mother who, what I need the most is the word of God. And then even in ministry and things, it's like the one thing I needed the most is where the enemy attacked me the hardest. And I really was afraid, terrified. And any, I'm telling you, anytime I opened it, I was equally as frustrated or fearful because I'd come across a verse, I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. This is the dumbest thing I ever read. And I'd slam it again. Yes. And then I only knew in my deepest despair to at least maybe just go through Proverbs or Psalms, this kind of safe ones. Yes, parts yes. of Isaiah, I remember reading that were good. But I remember my father-in-law actually telling me one time, because I had said that to him, and I'd come out of it by then, but he said, well, yeah, even Jesus was tempted by Scripture in the wilderness. And I thought, boom, like how profound is that? It never even occurred to me to think, Scripture can actually be used against you. God's own word, the enemy will try to twist and thwart and make either scary or confusing to confuse the person who's seeking after God. So crazy. And, and, you know, I teach Bible study, and probably the biggest thing that we teach in Bible study is context is everything. If you don't read a scripture in context, then you don't know the meaning of it. Because you can pick and choose scriptures or verses throughout the Bible and write a whole different religion if yes. you want to, literally. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen like it Like it's done. happening. Yes. So yeah. 
that what you did mm-hmm. here's the sad thing though so many people read the bible the way you're talking about haphazardly yeah and not in context and it's dangerous it's literally dangerous yes. to do that so boy i can't stress enough the importance of a knowing the different genres of yes. the entire bible and how you don't interpret each genre the same way you want you to know? talk about that a little bit for our yes um you know the new testament has uh it has gospels that's one genre Mm-hmm. It has letters. That's another genre. Mm-hmm. It has uh, acts, which is historical narrative. And then it has revelation, which is a letter that's apocalyptic and prophetic at the same time. Yeah. Well, all four, all of those genres are interpreted in different ways. Because mm-hmm. they had different meanings for why they were, like a poem is going to mean something very different than a prescription that a doctor writes. You're not gonna read it and try to interpret it the same way. Exactly, right? like exactly. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the gospels were the story of Christ, but they were from the perspective of different people who were speaking to different audiences. Yes. So that's yeah. why you read them as they were written. And the same thing with the, the letters. This is the most important thing about the letters. They are situational. They were written mm-hmm. to a certain group of people at a certain time, who had certain issues. I mean, you read Corinthians and you see that that was a church that had a lot of issues right. that Paul was trying to deal with. Well, you have to read that book that way mm-hmm. and understand he was correcting problems yes. then and there. In a specific culture. In a specific a, culture. In the ancient worlds, you know, what that was modern to them. But <laughs> right. Yes. Right. So, and the same thing with Old Testament, you know, mm-hmm. we... People often, and and I get in trouble for this because I tell my students, look, Proverbs are not promises. And when Mm -hmm. I say that, it's almost like a gasp in the room. Yeah, because they've been taught otherwise from the pulpit, from devotionals. Yes. They're not promises. No, they are just statements Mm -hmm. of what is generally true. Mm -hmm. They're wisdom literature. Yes. So we don't claim on to, you know, claim this promise, train a child up in the way they should go. That's a proverb. That's a statement of what's generally true, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as the promises of the New Testament. That's true. I, you know, what's interesting too is in Proverbs, you can read one proverb that says one thing and just go a few chapters or verses later, and you're going to actually read the opposite. Yeah. And it's like, wait, which one is which one is which? Right. Well, God is dynamic. Like our life is dynamic. It changes. Just depends. That's <laughs> just right. Depends. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Because uh, yeah, there is a there is a misunderstanding. If you don't understand the genre yeah. that you're reading, you will you can you, you can get wrong. the wrong meaning, and and it's um, that happens so much though mm-hmm. because people just don't understand. They just don't understand to to look for the genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you? I, I'm going to say that. With your students coming in, was there any, because I'm going to go back to your research, because okay. I'm, I'm interested in talking about this. And if you don't know, you don't know, but maybe we can talk about it anyway and speculate, yeah. and then give me more to think about when it's time for me to do my doctoral work. But it would seem, aside from biblical knowledge, there is a culture that's driving why or why not a, an incoming student has certain biblical knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard and sat in plenty of sermons over the years i'm not speaking Mm -hmm. to one particular person or anything but over the years where it is that cherry picking of scripture and Mm -hmm. so even from the pulpit 
or even in the small group or the Bible study, what is being modeled by the leader who the child or the teen or the young adult or the, the parenting, you know, whatever, older adult, what's being modeled is an incorrect way to read scripture. Right. So I would think that if that's being modeled to the students when they come in, of course they're not going to have biblical knowledge. Or like me, I really think mine was laziness because I feel like I was taught in context. But yeah, I think you get these students. So do you think that this may be a, in a way there could be a charge to the church? I think so. Uh, you know, again, um, I don't have any way of knowing why they came to us the way they did. Mm -hmm. I didn't try to measure that. Okay. That would be a good thing yeah. to try to measure, mm -hmm. to, you know, ask questions. About family of, history, exactly, church history. Exactly, church okay. history. Accessibility would, to the word. Yes, I would be curious to know how many of those students were in a situation where their church did not have an age-level Sunday school-type situation, you know, mm -hmm. because it, it is becoming less and less common to have churches with Sunday school. Right. And so... I would be curious because I think as a denomination, we would like to know that, mm -hmm. you know, if, if letting go of Sunday school has had a certain effect, then maybe we should consider picking it back up. I don't know, mm -hmm. but it would be something to measure or try to measure and, and find out. Right. I love, um, I went through at the grad level at SAGU, uh, a, a hermeneutics course, mm -hmm. and then I was also to, able to take in the, the other seminary that I was in. In, within my Old Testament class and then also within my New Testament te class was built in interpretation. So also hermeneutics. So I had it like three times. Oh no, I'm sorry. It was not, a, no, I did take hermeneutics too, but I, it was a preaching class. That's okay. what I was taking uh -huh. at the time where when, you know, at, at SACU, when you're taking preaching class, it is part of the job. You're, you're going to preach on a, on a small, on a, Oh, we used the word pericope last time, which is a small section of verse, a small passage. Mm -hmm. But but you're not just going to preach it out of context. You're going to read the entire book. Right. You're going to see what's in the context before that little um, passage yes. and then after. But you're going to preach on that one part. It's kind of like your tailored specific research. You can't. It, it's insane to try to cover such a broad topic. Right. When the <clears throat> the important thing is the little thing. But anyway, all that to say is that I, I love that even in the preaching, it's being taught, at least at this university, that you have to take everything in context. Yes. And that's work. It's laborious. Yes, it is. It takes you hours and hours and hours. It's the, you know, this society we live in is kind of a uh, verse of the day society mm -hmm. where we just, it comes up on Facebook, we read our verse of the day, and we feel like we've gotten our food. Yeah. You know, no. better than nothing. Right. But not much better. Because no. honestly, that's that's starving our soul. Yeah. We have to have it in context. We have to have the whole thing. We have to see the whole story and what it was what was being said there. Mm -hmm. And um so yeah, context is always gonna be the thing that we stress the hardest in in uh Bible study and yeah. at Sagu. I just got this analogy, like it's almost like chewing gum to curb your hunger. Exactly. You feel like you got a little fix, but it's not yeah, it tastes giving good. you nutrition. It tastes yeah. good, but it's false sense of security. Exactly. Yeah. 
And well, heaven forbid that one day that versus the day is the one I came across exactly. back in 2006. <laughs> you know, like that would be the worst. Bad timing. I kind of like, I kind of hope it is one day so that people would be like, oh, maybe I should read for content. Yes. Oh, okay. So um, you've mentioned two of the courses that you teach. And there are there some other ones too? Yes, I uh, this semester I'm teaching historical books, which of course <gasps> you know is is the Old Testament, and that is yes. is wonderful, loving that. And then I've also I teach Acts. I'll be teaching Acts <gasps> in the spring, oh. which is one of my very favorites. Yes. Oh, I need to take your classes. For you come on in. Mentor me. Love to have Just you. Sit in there and listen to you. So. I took Old Testament and then I took Studies and Prophets, which was kind of like taking Old Testament again, but with within a specific yes. you know, subject. And I learned to love it. And because that's one of the ones that people avoid. We even have preachers saying, like, we don't really need the Old Testament. Oh, you know, yeah. that drives me insane. Me too. Me because, too. yeah, ha- having been really delivered of being afraid of the Bible. Right. And then <laughs> learning to understand it and be and having to getting to read through it all with guidance. I mean, it needs some guidance. Right. You, you need some con- historical context. You need sure. to know about the ancient Near East. You need to know all these things. But it it gave me so much peace. I thought it would give me make me disturbed and distressed, but it gave me so much peace. And what I saw over and over and over in the Old Testament is God is gracious. God is gracious. Like, really, you're giving them another chance? Yes. Because people think that the God of the Old Testament's angry and somehow he switched over. But he is so gracious. He is. He had so many chances to just say, I'm done with you. Yeah. But he didn't. And there were consequences. Yes. But then he'd give him another chance. Yes. And then there were consequences. And then finally, you know, not like he was waiting on it. The timing's perfect. But then in, we see he sends his son Jesus. You know? Right. And right. so it's such a beautiful, beautiful and, testament, I think. So and I here's love the that thing. You if it. you love the New Testament and you say, ah, I don't want to mess with the old, you cannot understand the New Testament unless you understand the old. Mm-hmm. If you took every not fully no, if no. you took every bit of the Old Testament out of the New, all the illusions, oh, it would be a skeleton. You couldn't understand it at all. That's true. So honestly, if you really love the New Testament, you want to understand it, then you have to understand the Old mm-hmm. to get what you're supposed to get out of it. Yes, listeners, if you if you're kind of wondering if the Old Testament's important, uh, or maybe you've been taught that it's really not. I do challenge you to read through the New Testament and and using a Bible that has these footnotes and and all these things in the margin, go through and mark and actually take the time to look back at the Old Testament verses that are referenced. You will be shocked out of your mind because Dr. Blakeney is right. Like it will be a total skeleton. But then also you can read it maybe. Here's the thing. You can read through it and get a basic understanding of what's being said because it's still power in the word. But once you get those references to the Old Testament, it comes alive in such a deeper way that you never would have expected yeah. it. Oh, I love the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, it's the thing that you la- the thing that you labor for is the thing that you love. And if you yes. put the time into labor in in studying it, you're going to love it more. It's true. So, it's yeah. true. And I could it's, tell you love it. Well, too. the yeah. hunger it just grows. Mm-hmm. It's like 
I, uh, you know, I've set a goal to try to read the Bible through every year, and it usually takes me about a year and three months. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm going on like my 27th time now to read through the Bible, and uh-huh. every single time, I learn things I never saw before. I never realized before. I mean, yes, I'd read it, mm-hmm. but it didn't come alive until this time when I read it. Yeah. So there's no exhausting the Bible. Mm-mm. There's no way. It's why we're still, it's why we still have universities and professors. Exactly. And always having to learn it. There's yeah. always something new to learn. Yeah, there is. It is so exciting. Okay. So then you, you have taught or you are going to be teaching Acts. In the spring. In the spring. So this will be, will this be your first go-round teaching? No, I've taught it a couple more semesters since I was teaching full-time. Okay. So, yeah. What are some of your favorite things about that class? Well, here's the thing. Acts is theology, of course, Mm -hmm. but I see Acts as the most practical book because it's like our manual Mm -hmm. of how to do church. So in, in my class, we talk application. Every single time we do a chapter in Acts, we talk about how do we apply that today. Wow. So it is definitely we teach theology in there, but we also teach, okay, this is normative. This is for the church mm-hmm. today. This is how we should live. Speaking in tongues is still for today. Mm-hmm. Healing is still for today. He still speaks to people on the road and says, stop at the chariot and talk to that guy. Yeah. You know, he still yeah. does that. And it's extremely, I think by the time the class is over, people realize this is still going on. The book of Acts hasn't ended. Wow. You know, we're, we're just a part of the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating when you can open someone's eyes to something, they can, they can take it on for themselves and run with it and, and have their, their own passion that's stirred inside their heart yes. and create a hunger to learn even more. I love in Acts that it seems like almost every sermon or message or speech that you hear back to the old testament um conversation that we just had yes they they go from the beginning of time to the present yes like peter peter does it stephen does it it's so fun to read through absolutely it's like these guys knew their they they knew knew their their stuff stuff. yeah and the here's the cool thing peter was a fisherman yet he knew scripture enough that on the day of pentecost when he was anointed Mm -hmm. by the holy spirit he quoted joel and applied it properly. Yes. So, you know, the guy, he was no dummy. Right. He knew his word. Right. And I think it goes to show, too, as Pentecostals, you know, we're assemblies of God, so there, there have been some unhealthy things that have happened in the past, depending on what church you've come out of or different movements, but it, but it shows such a balanced approach. Like, you can't take this... People mislabel what the Holy Spirit's doing is where I'm getting at, yes, right? And they yes. get this emotional, crazy stuff. But what you see is, no, the Spirit did come and he baptized them. And and they were speaking in tongues. But also, they gave a very, a very thorough message. Absolutely. So it's the same. Like, they go hand in hand. You don't separate them. And that, which I think is important for everybody. And then within my contacts with our Oak School of Leadership students, you can't separate your experience from your biblical knowledge. Right. You can't have one without the other. Exactly. If you have a bunch of knowledge, it's going to puff you up. You're just going to be arrogant and, and probably misuse it. Right. Um, but, and then if you just have experience without the knowledge, what are you doing? You're going you're gonna to really mess someone up. You're yes. going to tell my kids something theologically incorrect that's going to mess them up, and I'm not happy parent now. You exactly. Know? Or, or really hurt somebody. You know, just having a conversation with someone today about healing and that... You know, you have plenty of people who will 
who will just flippantly say, you know, well, you must not have enough faith if you're mm. not healed. Mm. That is like not Mm-mm. biblical. No, that's not. You're taking it out of context. Right. And so you have to have this knowledge of the Bible properly guided along with the ministry that you're doing. Exactly. So. You know, I, I always say the perfect example of that is the Apostle Paul. He was taught by the most famous rabbi of the time and knew scripture probably better than anybody. He was headed, you know, up the ladder Mm -hmm. to be on the Sanhedrin himself. Mm -hmm. And yet he didn't have a knowledge of Christ. And so he he was going the wrong direction and he was killing Christians. Mm -hmm. But look what happened to him after he got saved. That knowledge then became his, the strength that he had. He applied all that scripture knowledge mm-hmm. to Christ. Wow, and properly. Properly, yes. properly, Ooh. but because of Preach. the Holy Spirit, you know, <laughs> yes. he was able to then take all this wonderful knowledge that he had yeah. and apply it to Jesus and preached all over the known world. Mm-hmm. And people got saved. Oh, I could talk about this all day. I want to. I want to talk about it all day, but, oh, we can't. So I just... I just love having this conversation with you. But, so I do want to end on this, though. Okay. Um, with, with students who are coming in, so we've talked about you know, knowing that there's not a biblical, a strong biblical base for mm-hmm. a lot of the freshmen coming mm-hmm. in. If someone's hearing this that who may be coming in, it, they, uh, there may be a hesitancy like, oh, no, I don't know enough. I'm going to fail my Bible class. Um, Let's give them some encouragement because I know that's not true. Oh, so no. what encouragement do you have then to them? Here's the thing. You know, we all, we ha- all have a starting point. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter where you are, whether you, you know, read the Bible every day or whether you don't. It's okay. It's always, the, the Lord is always ready to start where you are. And I've had students, I literally had a football player say to me, he was not real happy about having to read all these 78 and he got to the end of the semester and he came up to me and he said, you know, I really enjoyed this. And it meant so much to me mm-hmm. to know that just getting him to try it had made a difference in his life. He had changed. So it doesn't matter where you are. Mm-hmm. Just God wants you to start. Yes. And so, you know, you may maybe have never even read the Bible, but there's a promise about the Bible. If it won't return void. Mm -hmm. And if you start now, I promise it's going to make a difference in your life. So good. Thank you for that encouragement. Thank you for taking your time to to let us have a conversation. I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you for inviting me. It was a privilege. You are welcome. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this wonderful podcast with Dr. Teresa Blakeney, and I hope you enjoy your week and tune in next time for the next one. Bye. Bye.